This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be As you guys know, it's 2017. So much of my theses and ideas are available on YouTube. But the fact that we're here together, I think what I've learned in this environment is if you go selfish and ask a very specific question that you think that I might be able to bring some value to, uh, a lot of times 80% of the room has also got something similar uh, that's going through their mind. So if I can encourage the table that's got the green thing right now if you want to ask the first question and then on the left side here if you guys want to line up behind this mic to ask your questions I think you know if you want to go high level you know to me the world is broken up into branding and sales so people in here are thinking about converting and selling something uh, in, in what I would call below the funnel kind of like just transactional sales and then I think for a lot of you that watch what I do I spend a lot more time selling at the brand level there's no real ask, there's no right hook. It's about, to be very frank with you, guilting people into opportunities uh, and building brand. Like nobody here, especially groups like this, you know, especially knowing a lot about what I know about at this point, like I think a lot of the conversation should be how brand lowers cost of acquisition. But then a lot of you are business owners, like I've built two businesses, a lot of culture, HR, human retention, hunting, farming, so you know, anything as basic as like, how do I make Snapchat sell me shit? Like, I'm thrilled to answer anything. You can go anywhere. You know, you want to talk about the bullshit call yesterday in the Jets game. I'm thrilled to answer anything. I don't even like, please don't even get me started. So, I'm willing to answer anything and everything. I'd, I'd love to help, so. What's your name, my man? Carlos. Carlos. Okay. I really appreciate your time. I love you. I love your work. Gary <laughs> You know, jab, jab, and hook. Thank you, sir. And I haven't followed the latest. No problem. You, know, you are a trend set, but you also want the recent trends. Yes. You know, in the social media culture. Yes. I have a name. I have a certain degree of a brand. Understood. People know who I am. Okay. But uh, I haven't invested in the steps that sometimes you point out. So if you were to give me an advice, I have a reputation. Yes. I have a following. Yes. But I haven't tapped into what it is that, is it Facebook, is it YouTube, well, is it a combination of the two? What's, what's your gut, before I answer it, and I'm thrilled to, what's your intuition on what you haven't really done enough of? When I go and I teach somewhere, I woke people. I'm sorry? I woke people. People yep. have had a before and after experience with me. Yes. Then I walk out of there, I didn't capture the footage. I mean, I guess there are the elements that have to be in place, a structure. You know, I didn't spend the time on it. but. I mean, I can do a, a, a video. Some of the guys here have talked to me, the videos that they, they watched and how much it helped them. Yes. Not just on the martial arts level, but on the mindset level. Understood. With, you know, but I, I'm here with you. You yeah. are like one of the gods of social media, in my opinion, because you cut the bullshit. You tell us it is. And I know you don't have to please my ears. You just tell me, man, you got to kick ass like this or like that. Or, so I don't know. I mean, I'm just saying, if I have the gift, of being an instructor yes. that can cause a before and after experience every single place I go. Yes. And I'm not trying to say this, this to brag, guys. I apologize, I'm sorry. See, but not, not more, Don't worry, you'll never once, brag as much as me, once, so we'll be fine. More than once. Yeah. More than once when I walk out of the mat, the service that I teach, they say this was the best I've ever seen, or the best I've ever been. And then one night, walk back home, when I look at my beautiful wife, 
you know, and say, okay, what we're we gonna do with it? You know, say, no, it's not, it's not all about monetizing. No, I totally get it. You know, you bear with me, guys, I'm the most humble guy. I'm not trying to say that to bring attention to me. I still believe I have a Carlos, lot of right? But I'm not trying to I have passion. Carlos Machado. Yeah, I'm here, here. So, Carlos, yeah. One, I'll, I'll give it to you, I'll, I'll, Carlos. I think what's very obvious. Look, for all of us, there's the message and distribution, right? You know, whatever your version of what Carlos is feeling about his skill set, we all have it. I think the biggest thing that I can tell you, you know, a lot of times when I speak, I'm always thinking about like, what can I say that changes the outcome of the room, right? The reason I love doing Q and A is I think that most speakers are too self-serving. And I think when you speak, you need to have empathy and you need to deliver, right? So when I hear that question, what I'm excited about is right off the bat, we're five seconds in and you asked a question, Carlos, that I think is probably the most important thing I could leave here with, which is if I could get even one person to execute on what I'm about to say, that person's impact on their, to your point, I think much more about my legacy than my currency. This is not necessarily, like when you've got something to say, you know, you pretty quickly get away from worrying about the money. You get into, shit, I wanna get this all out before I'm gone, right? So for me, the biggest thing that I wanna say is that the second everybody in this room realizes that they're a media company first, and then whatever they do for a living, second, everything will change. When I hear what you say, I say, well that guy needs a full-time editor-in-chief around brand Carlos. You should film everything. You should turn all that filming into audio. All that audio should be turned into a written word. I think of myself at this point as a triple threat as a media company. I'm putting out tons of video, tons of audio, and tons of written word, and some of you like, how many people here listen to my podcast, right? I mean, that's crazy, that's most of this room, and like two years ago I wasn't even thinking about audio, right? But as we've gotten busier, audio's grown because it's passive. You can listen to me while you're doing other shit. If you want to watch my video, you got to watch the video, right? So everything keeps changing. Carlos, I think the first thing that you need to think about is you start need to thinking about yourself as ESPN and HBO and CNBC and the New York Times. The quicker all of you think of yourself as that, everything changes. I literally think that I, Gary V. Don't compete with Richard Branson or with you know, Mark Cuban. I think that Gary Vee competes with Business Insider and Forbes and, and you know, the Wall Street Journal and Complex Magazine. Like I, I don't think about competing with humans. I, I spend zero time even debating that. And so I think of myself, Carlos, as a media company. And so it's the difference between, you know what I think a lot of people do in our world? They turn into infomercials versus 2020. If you make content on Facebook and LinkedIn and your email and everything you do, if you think of yourself as ABC News, if you think about yourself as Fox or CNN, instead of an infomercial, shit changes. And so I highly recommend that all of you, and especially you if you're sitting on something like that, what's, you know, everybody's thinking like an advertiser, not as a media company. And I think for a lot of you, it seems like you know, I'm watching your kind of behavior. That's why I feel a little bit different. I'm not putting out content like an advertiser with a short-term goal. I'm putting out content like a media company with a long-term goal, which creates short-term opportunity. It's a very, very subtle but disproportionate reason. And, and the luckier you are, if you're this legendary as people are whispering to me, well then that means you're sitting with something, which means you should be recording all of it. 
All of it. After you achieve, you and, hired. That's right. And, and the way to think about it is some of you don't have the dollars to hire somebody yet and neither did I for the first eight years. The whole DRock thing and all this, this, you know, I love when everyone's like, easy for you, Gary. You have DRock now and then. I'm like, dick, I didn't have anybody for eight years. And I built up to it and then I had somebody. So like, if you've got to do it in selfie form, good. And if, like for me, I can't write. I have a ghostwriter for my books. I have a ghostwriter for my LinkedIn and Medium right now. I can't write, it's not how I communicate. But I can do video. Some of you are scared of video and get awkward, you're more introverted, so then write. Use the medium that helps you best communicate and then build around it. So maybe you write and maybe somebody makes video content transcribing your written words into audio. Like you just gotta bat against what you're good at but you've gotta fill out all the other ways because people are consuming content in all different forms. I don't wanna discriminate on how you guys wanna consume me. You wanna listen while you're brushing your teeth? Mazel tov. You wanna read on the way to, the tr- to your you know, office? Great. You wanna watch a video because you need a boost and you need to see the insanity? Great. I just don't wanna be the judge and too many people are making content that they would consume, not, I only think about you, not me. You need to put out everything. And, it, and if you're, you know, the quicker you take money, and this is for a lot of you in the room because there's a lot of business people here. The quicker you take your money and put it into another person that helps you make more content, versus buying some shit for yourself, the quicker you build an actual fucking business. Cool. I think it's gonna be on in a minute, I hope. Let's see, try again. Not yet, can we, let's see if we, how about now? Nope, how about now? You can, but I wanna make sure they get the audio. Okay. We'll try to fix that while we give you the catch box. Hello? There we go. go. Right in the nick of time. What's your name, man? Daniel. Pleasure. Pleasure to meet you. Thanks, brother. Absolutely. Watch all your stuff. Um, So I want to hear more about Gary Vaynerchuk, CEO. Okay. We were talking a lot just now about investing your money back into getting more people. Yes. And so I'm fascinated about what you believe as far as like having Claude Silver and the heart officer and everything along those lines. And I'd really appreciate it if you could go very tactical with the people in this room. Uh, you know, we start at a very, you know, we have much smaller uh, companies. Most of us at the beginning is we're building them up. What are some do's and don'ts as we're trying to find some winning players? So play with me here so you can help everybody. Yeah. So first of all, you have to, the number one thing I always do is first try to figure out what I'm trying to accomplish. So for me, Carlos, back to you, recalling you, I wanted to set out to not only buy the New York Jets but have a legacy in the entrepreneur space that was the perfect balance between making a lot of money and being successful and doing it in the best human way. I wanted to be the nicest, most successful person. I don't need to make the most money, I just needed to do it in the best way. Help other people along the way, help my people along the way. It does a lot of weird things. So for example, you have to know yourself. If you're in it for the money, there's nothing wrong with that. You just need to know that. So for example, because I knew I wanted legacy, even as a 23 year old, when I started running my dad's business and you know, the first year I ran the business it went from three to 10 million. That's like fuck, like that changes everything, right? I, even the way I fired people, like the severances I give are so ridiculous. Like my dad, this is just the truth, I hate to call my dad out, he would have somebody work for him for seven years, fire them and not give them anything. Very Russian. I had people work for me for a month and I've given them three months severance. You know, like, so that, it's not because I'm a better person than my dad, it's because I knew what I've set out to do. 
So the first thing I tell all of you is figure out what you're setting out to do, both from a financial standpoint and a reputation and legacy standpoint. Because once you understand what you're trying to achieve, how much you want to make, what do you want to do with your money, what's your work-life balance, what, where do you sit on the Pentium, is it just about the dollars, is it not, like, are you leaving it to your kids, are you selling it to go fish, what are you doing? Because this is the biggest reason, my man Daniel, that a lot of people aren't doing the things that they need to do, because they're just kind of, it's just about the money. They're in a rat race of like, this year I want to make 100,000, next year 400,000. Like it's, it's, you know, you want to pay your debt off from school or you know, buy your mom a house. It's very, very narrow. And I started right from 15 thinking about who I was going to be at 90 and working backwards. So that's number one. But the reason I started macro to go very tactical on you is because I know I don't want to sell VaynerMedia, I don't have to maximize the EBITDA of the business. I don't need to maximize the profit of VaynerMedia year in, year out, because I'm not selling it. So I never have the worry that somebody's gonna swoop in and offer me money for my business, and then when I look at the bottom line, I wanna make sure the profit's real good for that sale. I never have to spend a year or two setting it up for the sale. I, just to get everybody grounded, have decided to build the best marketing machine. I always call it the comms and marketing death star, except with the little, without the little flaw that Luke fucking shot and whatever, you know, I don't want it to go away. So like, I want to build the greatest marketing machine of all time and in my 50s, 60s, and 70s, I want to buy very big businesses like Reebok or Yahoo Chocolate Drink or Gymboree, like big businesses that you know and I want to buy them and run them through the machine, buy them for 408 million, sell them for 3.7 billion, right? Like that's why I'm doing it. So again, I'm giving a long-winded answer because we got some time together. Now you know why I have a chief heart officer and why Claude's the most important person. I spend all my time on HR, either thinking about it or spending time with my employees because it's family. If I was gonna sell it in four years, I wouldn't. I wouldn't spend all my time with my employees. You know, a lot of times people are like, Gary V, you're the best chief, you know, somebody like you really knows my shit. I've hired a chief heart officer and I'm gonna spend all my time on HR and I'm like, well, what are you doing? They're like, oh, I'm gonna build this up and sell it in two years. I'm like, you shouldn't spend any time with anybody. You need to maximize profits and lower costs and like, you probably want people quitting to lower, like, like you want attrition. So, you know, what I've done my whole career is I realize people are the variable of success. There's way too much ego in business. Like humility and empathy are your secret powers. Everybody wants to be the man, be the guy, be the gal, be the one, be the girl. Like everybody wants to be that person and I just basically every morning wake up and know that I work for everybody and nobody works for me as the CEO. You know how many people here struggle with expecting people that work for them to work as hard as them? <laughs> I mean just ludicrous, ludicrous audacity at best and straight fucking assholishness at worst, right? So like I think about this shit every day. Like you know for me it's people centric. You know like people are always like I can't get my cashiers to like fucking work because they're only 12 bucks an hour. I'm like no it's because you've never said hello to them dick face. Right? So like I'm very people centric. I think there's enormous ROI either in the short term or the long term. Some of the people that work for me, Iris may go on to win an Academy Award as a filmmaker, right? Like I'd much rather have her like me than not like me. You know, and everybody's playing short term. I don't live as if tomorrow I'm gonna die and I'm stunned by how many people do. It's all short term ROI. Every decision is short term ROI. And I think that's a huge decision. So internally, I spend a lot of time and money 
My HR department, too big. My time that I spend with employees, too much. This is what I hear from all my business associates who then spend all their time asking me how I do it. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a big culture guy. I, I agree with you. Like, my intuition is that 94% of this room is not culture oriented. They're money oriented. It's just the way it is. It's not because of this room. It's because of every room of every business conversation in the world. And, uh, and in that arbitrage, I'm gonna build a huge legacy and buy the New York Jets. And so I think that everybody here should take a step back and realize what actually drives their business. Uh, I think there's, I'm looking around, there's a lot of youngsters here, which means a lot of them have never been, including you probably, how old are you? 27. Yeah, you've never been punched in the mouth, right? <laughs> Meaning. Well, I mean, literally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I worry about people under 30 who've been basically navigating their careers during good economic times. Basically since 2009, we've been growing. Right, so for a couple of us a little older here, we remember the morning of Bear Stearns. We remember the 2000, you know, April 2000 economic bubble burst. Like, until you get punched in the mouth, you're not a real player. So right now we have a lot of people under 30 who need to realize when you get punched in the mouth, it's those employees and humans that are the ones that allow you to survive it, not the other way around. And so there's a lot of naivete, there's a lot of inexperience, and then there's a lot of short-term financial decision making So I interview all my senior people. I spend an enormous amount of time telling them they'll get fired if they don't play nice with the other boys and girls. The number one flaw that a lot of people have in their company right now is their biggest money maker is also their biggest asshole and they're letting them get away with it because of the money making that's creating massive cancer internally within organizations right now. They should all be the best at The reason I'm so good, it's one of the biggest reasons I still be Gary V is because I want to be the best at social media so that I'm never at the mercy of any of my employees. I've never had an employee that's had any significant leverage against me ever in the history of my career. Mm-hmm. And you know, which is, I've never even had a sales team that's been bonused on sales. Like I've just never put myself in a position to be at the mercy of somebody and I think a lot of people do that so it's something to think about. Um, and then finally, you have to know what they care about. One of my best people that runs Facebook ads Still works for me because I bought him St. Louis Cardinals tickets because I knew he was a St. Louis Cardinals fan. And it meant so much to him that he's passed up Facebook and Google offering him fifty dollars to $100,000 a year more in salary because he feels good about me. So some people trade on money, which is great. If, by the way, I wish every one of my employees traded on money. It'd be simple. How much do you want? Good, I can do that. How much do you want? Can't do that. How much do you want? I can do that. Like, that's easy. The problem is a lot of your employees work on work-life balance. A lot of your employees completely trade on you just acknowledging them. I mean, I mean, I can't wrap my head around what's actually going on in the world. Like, how are you an owner and not saying hello to you? Like, who the fuck do you think you are? <laughs> so that's how I feel. That's really how I feel. I watch it. I watch managers and owners. That's the reason so many people struggle with going to management. When they were Indians, it was fun to make fun of the Chiefs, but when you become a Chief, it's hard, right? It's a whole different game. What got you to management is nothing what gets you to the next place. You're the ultimate manager if you own your shit. You only work for everybody else. The customer, your employees, for me it's my employees first, then the customer, then I can even begin to think about what the fuck's in it for me. And I've just watched 95% of the businesses I interact with start with them, then the customer, then their employees. I think that most of, 
the people are broken. And I think if you have, if you are, if you're honest, no bullshit, right? If it just went through your mind like fuck, I am me, then customer, then my employees, you will lose. And I can tell you that's the majority of businesses. So anything else I can add? Because I know you want to detail I went macro. I'd like to close some gap. Uh, yeah, I mean that was awesome as always. I was just thinking like tactically, like what is like one thing that I should do or not do? How many employees do you have, if any? Nine. None? Nine. Nine. You should talk to them and ask them what they give a fuck about. When's the last time, tell me the truth, don't lie in front of these people. Yeah, Dan. When's the last time, <laughs> when's the last time you've literally sat down with all nine of them for 45 minutes over breakfast, lunch, or dinner and said, what are the biggest things that you're interested in for me to do? Well, I mean, he calls me at midnight to ask me about other things and what's <laughs> going on, so fairly often. And the, and the other eight too? I'm sorry? And the other eight as well? No, sir. That's it, my man. I love, and I, first of all, thank you for your honesty. And number, listen, you might have, you, it seems like you're deep in my content. You probably heard me recently say, I'm fucking up too. I think this open door policy is working. It's not working for shit. So next year, I'm spending fucking redoing my whole schedule. I've canceled, I'm not speaking at all next year. I'm like doing like six events compared to 40, just so I have the more of the man hours to now force every one of my 750 people to see me for 15 minutes every six months. So you have, you have eight other employees. You've got to fuck it. You should be done this week. <laughs> and, and here's how it goes, Daniel. Karen, Rick, Susan, the fuck do you want from me? What can I do for you? You may find that she wants to leave early on Fridays because she's missing recitals and that changes her whole life. That she'll dominate for you Monday through Friday and a half just for those two hours. Or maybe somebody doesn't like the way you're talking to them. And so the number one thing I do tactically is not only do I sit down with them for 15 minutes, I'll spend the first 11 minutes getting them comfortable with telling me the truth. And then I'll follow up with a text with an emoji in it and then I'll watch what they do on social media and then I pay attention to who they're friends with. I'm f- like, I'm a full-time listener. Everybody thinks I talk all the time. All I'm doing is listening. The biggest reason I talk so much is to get reactions from you, whether one-on-one, you in an audience like this or the whole fucking world when I do content. I talk so much strategically to get reactions so I can listen, so I can readjust. You know, it's fun when I talk to anything that even remotely touches martial arts because I didn't realize this because I didn't know anything about it. Like, I'm all reactionary. I'm all that. That's what I, I'm a counterpuncher. I want, I'm doing things to force you into a move so I can then do the next move. It's chess. I just do it with communication. I even think that my personality, in hindsight, has developed into this caricature of who I am to create the natural reaction because I'm able to judge people very quickly based on how they react to me. At what point do you what do you hold on to? You know, mm-hmm. you're, giving, you're giving away great stuff, so every time I understand, you know, I got every it. time they hear you, they, they, yep. they almost salivate. You know, they're yep. like, I need to make a little more. But what do you hold on so to? So here's what's interesting about me that's a little different. I don't know if you guys have paid attention. I have not set out to monetize my audience like the majority of people, which I'm empathetic, I get it. What makes me a little tough to use as a proxy is I've always made my money in a separate business than my audience buying stuff for me. Super easy to give everything away for free when you're not counting on any of the money. Right? Um, Here's the mistake everybody makes. Everybody thinks you give away some lightweight shit and you sell your best stuff. This is what everybody does. I think it's the other way around. I give away all my best shit. If I was selling my audience, I would give away all my best shit 
and then what I would sell is access. Unscalable stuff. Because if you're giving away bullshit or stuff that's just not that strong, you're never gonna get them into the interest graph to begin with. The other thing is way too many people think they're sitting on something that means something. Information is commoditized. People wanna sell information. I make fun of all my friends who think they're gonna make a $97 ebook. I'm like, bro, I'm like, cool, but do you feel good about selling somebody $97 worth of shit that you just control copied from the internet? So I think you hold on to something that is not scalable. So I think access is not scalable. Your time is not scalable. I think the best model is to sell something that is not scalable, that's hard for you as the individual to scale, but then you can maximize it, right? Like, you know, I mean the amount of money people offer me to spend an hour with me, it's just like, like the emails I get are so crazy. I mean there's people that are taking, so, I had some guy send me $100,000 in my PayPal. Just like sent these like one hour. I couldn't take it, I just gave it to him for free, but like what, what it told me was fuck, this is so right. This is so right. So for all the people that are trying to sell and do all these things, like, you know, like doing the right thing is always the right thing. So what do you hold on to? Something that isn't scalable. What do you give away? The best shit you got. Which is. So you'll have, like you give away, I know you've done hundreds of hours of podcast, or you know, videos, and just tons and tons of videos. So there's, it's very difficult for people to go back and see all of this. So. They'll they'll hear bits and pieces. The the notion of the curated content as a packaged product is a fair debate because time is valuable. And so for the people that are really stuck who don't want to sell their time or don't want to go with my model, I think the one thing that is a worthwhile debate is if you curate all your stuff in one. It's kind of how I think of a book, right? Like yours for 13 bucks all of the last year and a half in one place. So, you know, listen, I'm I'm not God. You should live, here's my number one piece of advice. If you feel great about what you sell, sell whatever the fuck you want, right? But make sure you're not feeling great because of the selfish needs for the financial impact on your life. Make sure you feel great because you've looked at everything else that they could spend their money on and will it really work? Thank you. Hey brother. We actually went back in April at the first four day event. Yep, I remember. Thank you, brother. Um, first, I want to be historically correct by saying that uh, when you do the book Perfectly Parented, I'm pumped about that because I think it's going to like catapult you. I want Irish to kind of bookmark my statements. You got it. We got so it. Right here. Thank you. Um, so, for all of you that don't follow, is hard. You know, just to give you context, I've been working on a book. It's probably why it's not out because it's my true my true passion project, it's called Perfectly Parented, How to Raise an Entrepreneur. It's basically a story of what my parents did for me. You know, it's really cool with all the good things that are happening with me in my life, I take zero credit. I literally think, like, if Vayner crushes it, I feel good, me. But one of the reasons, like, I can sit up here and, like, run the gamut of, like, huge ego to huge humility is my parents are the reason I'm sitting here. My parents and the fact that I was born in, 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 a, in a foreign country and was raised as an immigrant here in the United States and really understand what's actually happening here and how good it actually is and I, I, I lead with optimism, not pessimism. Um, and so I appreciate that. I can't wait to write it. Absolutely. I need um, to make sure I write it. Yeah. Pre-order the first 20 copies. Done. <laughs> um, a couple uh, months ago on Daily B, you gave a piece of advice which I took. You said that uh, everyone should podcast, but the problem is it's gonna be really hard to get 
I guarantee you Tony Robbins sit down for an hour, but if someone did a 60 to 90 second podcast, you might have the serendipity to be in the right place at the right time to possibly get an amazing person like Gary Vee to do 60 seconds. So my question is, can I get 60 seconds? Done. Yes. You got it. Let me make this valuable for everybody, not just his selfish needs and wants, which was super fun and I'm thrilled. I can't wait to do it. The advice going further will really help a lot of you. Please understand that time is literally, besides health, the number one asset. So many of you ask for people to do things that takes up their time for your self-interest, you need to go the other way. So much of what has made me successful is creating less friction for you guys. I got to the podcast, because I'm like, oh shit, audio's happening, it's better for you guys while you're running, while you're traveling. Let me put more money into making a good podcast so I can create less friction for you. A lot of people have these landing pages and all this so you can get the data, so you can do your thing. You're creating friction. Anything that makes it better for the other person when it comes to time. Please keep that in mind. That's why the advice I gave to all these kids and people that are starting podcasts, they want superstars on their show. Sure, who doesn't? But the people that you want have no time. So I was like, fuck it, start a show that's like only a minute long or two minutes long. That you can get somebody, somebody might, who's super busy who just wants to get out there a little bit, we all do no matter where we are, right? Might be like, oh that sounds good, two minutes, cool, in. So what did you name it? It's called the Mindset Minute. The Mindset Minute. How many have you done? Uh, you'll be 32. How's it going? Really well. Good man. I listened to it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you got one listener. One's better than zero, bro. First two years I did Wine Library TV on YouTube and people didn't even know what YouTube was in 2006. You know, nobody was watching. 18 months, nobody. And I'm losing money at Wine Library because I'm spending all this time trying to build this. But I knew, right? Too many people, you know how many celebrities got fucked by Instagram because three years ago they didn't want to jump into Instagram because other people had a lot of followers and they were a real celebrity and if they jumped on and only had 10,000 followers it would have made them look bad. So what they did was they never started now they're not even a pseudo celebrity because they never started. Too much ego. I'm thrilled to do everything because what? You're gonna make fun of me that my podcast is ranked 10,000 and I should be higher? Fuck you. You know what I mean? Too many of you are not doing things because you're worried about how it's gonna make you look because you're late so you're not starting which is always a bad idea. Right? It's a huge thing that's happening. I think this, you know, I'm always thinking about the soundbite that may help you. I'm pumped right now because I have a funny feeling two or three of you are like, fuck, maybe I should. You know, you're, I get it. I understand brand. I understand shit. I'm supposed to be this and I have less than all these. But if you don't start, you don't get. And by the way, cream always rises to the top. If you're so good, right, you'll be there. Right? So many people doing dumb shit. You know how many people have 800,000 followers on Instagram but they bought their followers or their accounts Smart people know. So cool, you trick the 80% of idiots, but the 20% of people that know, or the 1% that actually matter to know, think you're a loser and a short carter, right? Be smart. So number one, self-awareness. Again, one of the things that I think has really worked for me, that I think I'm putting pressure in this room on, don't bullshit yourself. That's the quickest way to lose, and we do it so much because we come up with stuff that we wish would happen versus what we know will happen. Um, as far as an exit strategy, to me, an evergreen business is always great unless you think you have a moment in time. Right, so if you have 47 acai bowl truck, food trucks, you may want to anticipate that that food trend could change, right? 
But if you, you know, but if you have a real estate empire, that doesn't go and you know goes up and down, but it doesn't go away. So you need to first decide if your business can go away outright, right? Um, and then finally, just what are you gonna do with the money? I'm a big fan of people, a lot of people sell their company with no real intent for the money. Meaning, they just like the idea of it and they wanna buy some shit, which is fine, but like with money being so cheap right now and so little to put down on a mortgage, like what? Like what do you need so bad? You need to ask yourself. Um, so there's a matrix of moment in time, evergreen versus selling it, if you sell it. Look, I mean, I should have probably sold a lot of things. I was so right about Facebook and Amazon stock in the last seven years. Opportunity costs, I should have like liquidated everything. Like, if you know what you want to do with the money and you understand what you're getting yourself into, but I've seen so many friends build, build businesses for four or five years, build something nice, sell it because they see some other opportunity, they sell it, that other opportunity was nothing they knew anything about. They take the money, they put it into that, that goes down, they could have been five years later. People don't like to work for some reason sometimes, right? So like I never want to sell anything and never have really sold anything. Because I like working and building and evergreening and legacy. But I'm also super empathetic and think it, a lot of, my friends have sold a lot of companies that they were right. Buddy Media was right. Mike Lazaro made $800 million. <laughs> And it wouldn't have been worth any, it wouldn't have been worth eight million if you waited four years later. So you have to be smart if it's a moment in time. There's a lot of different variables, right? Bebo sold to AOL for $850 million because that was the social media, you know, platform scares of the 2000s with MySpace and Facebook and Bebo and High Five. And so you gotta figure out how real your business is and what you're gonna do with the money. But it's a very personal thing, right? We're all going through our own shit. Like so much, you know? And then finally, if you know you're gonna sell it, a lot of us entrepreneurs are not fiscally great. Like I'm great at revenue, but I don't love the CFO work of maximizing profit. If you're deciding that like in the next two or three years you're gonna go, I highly recommend bringing in a strong financial partner, whether a CFO or a controller, right? Because you know, a lot of us, and I'm making assumptions because it feels very entrepreneurial in here, we're good at the selling part but the maximizing the profit or what expansion looks like, a lot of us entrepreneurs get caught when we start getting to that next level. And if you know you're gonna sell, they're gonna look very hard at those financials, so you wanna start prepping yourself. Awesome, appreciate it. You got it. What's up, Gary, I'm Mike. Mike. Uh, super excited to be up here speaking with you. Thanks, brother. Uh, listen to so much of your material, and I don't think there's anybody out there who actually comes up with more content on as many platforms as you do. So my question is on creativity, is if you ever sort of get like a writer's block or a creativity block to pump out so much material and what advice you have yep. for us who are creating yeah. podcasts or doing yep. Snapchat accounts, yep. how do you keep pumping out that Yeah, so, so this is something funny that you know Iris and my team on the creative side probably talk about behind my back, which is, this just unlimited stream of content that I'm able to come up with. To be very frank, guys, I mean this, I just think I have a lot to say. Like, and, and, and not because I love hearing myself talk, which I do, it's just that, it's just that I've, like, I'm really gonna end up being known as somebody who's really good. I think I'm grossly underrated for all the fandom I already have. I really can feel it as I'm starting to audit myself against the A players of society. I think I got lucky 
that my mom and dad had sex at the right moment, you know? <laughs> I mean it, it's, it's DNA, right? It's the same that so many of you, whether you can sing or play basketball or rap or draw or be good at business, like this was like, there was a reason I was an anomaly and enigma when entrepreneurship wasn't cool. Like I've always had this thing and so for me it comes very natural. First of all, I have eight to 12 core principles and I'm very good at synthesizing culture and making it feel fresh even though it's the same shit and the only reason people here have been following me a long time is if they follow me for a long time because if you follow me for a year, you pretty much figure out what I'm up to. The reason somebody would stay longer is I'm good at understanding what's happening right now. You, you, you eventually figure out what I'm up to, whether it's the first day you ever saw me or, how many people here actually, let's, this is fun for other people to see. By show of hands, how many of you, the first time you came across my stuff, actually thought I was a straight dick face, didn't like me, didn't like it? Raise your hands, tell the truth. It doesn't hurt my feelings, raise it, raise it, right? So like, to me, I know that that kind of percentage happens, but I think in a year, or if you catch four or five pieces of content, right, eventually like, wait a minute, I didn't expect, like, you figure out, my gift of gab makes a lot of people on initial insight, or my cursing, makes people initially be like, this guy's a dick face, right? But, but my actions win over, over time, because of what I'm asking for. I think that, for me, it's the reason I'm worth following long term is I know when audio's popping. I know what to do, like I'm pushing some people here to make an Alexa skill or a briefing for themselves. I'm pushing like, hey, do this podcast, it's gonna matter for him. And so for me, it's been very easy. It comes natural. I always recommend for people that it doesn't to use other people. Why do you think almost every podcast that's successful interviews somebody else? I'm like one of the only podcasts that's straight content to your face. Every other podcast is interviewing somebody. Because it's hard. You know what's a lot easier? Asking questions. So whether it's using another person to be a guest or using a, one of the reasons I do call-in shows is that's an easy way for the Ask Gary Vee show for the work, right? Because I can just, I just walk into Ask Gary Vee like this, yeah? Like, like, I'm doing it right now. And the reason I can do it is I know my craft. The reason a lot of people, do, pay attention to who doesn't do Q&A. You wanna tell a subtle tell on who doesn't know their shit? Pay attention to who ducks. Some people just don't wanna do Q&A, that's fine. Watch who ducks Q&A. I've been able to read people in one sec, like the amount of fakers I know out there right now, because they won't do Q&A, like contractually, and they don't do Q&A because they're not real. Super easy to memorize something and regurgitate it. It's called an actor. So, using other people. You know what else is good? Using other people at the most macro. So one, step one, another person, interview, easy. Step two, Q&A if you know your craft, easy. Step three, something I've seen nobody do that I would love to do, I'm just too busy, social commentary. I love the idea of taking your iPhone, going to Times Square, looking at everybody's sneakers, and talking about sneaker culture and who's wearing what, or going to a Whole Foods and looking at packages and pricing, like auditing culture. Yeah. I thought it was crazy. It's cool, right? <laughs> I mean, I do it all the time as a person. So much of what I know, like I knew slime was coming for eight-year-old girls because I was like watching culture, right? Like, I love watching culture. If you're good enough, if you've always had intuition, you know how people love discovering new bands and then they hold on to it and then when the band gets popular they get mad at them because they sold out. You know, like if you've got that skill, try to synthesize that. That would be a super fascinating thing to watch or listen to. 
I wish I did a show where I told you what was actually going through my head when I come in to like the airport. Like, I, do you know why I like flying so much? The air, watching the people at the airport. That's how I got on Snapchat so early. I just kept watching like teenagers opening this yellow app like five years ago. I was like, what is that? And went into the app store and finally it popped up in the charts like number 130. I'm like, that's the yellow thing, you know? I've stopped looking at teenagers as much because some of the dads were getting mad at me. <laughs> but like literally I was like hovering over like, like teenage girls will tell you the future every time. It's just, it's a lot easier for some of the women in here to do it. Like creepy 40 year old dude looking at young you know, kids is kind of weird. So, but I watch people. That would be a cool show as a third one. Cool. Yes sir. Hey Gary, Mike Storm. Mike. Go Jets. Yes sir. So as a disruptor, what's coming, technical thing, Michael knows what my question's gonna be. Uh, what do you think about cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dash, Litecoin, yep. as a trending, as a disruptor? Let's talk about blockchain. Cause, it's, blo- cause it's blockchain, yeah. right? I mean, you've got Ethereum underneath that, you got Bitcoin after that, right? So, I invested in, in Bitcoin and Ethereum in 2014, right? So, and I haven't sold any, so I've done okay, right? Um, but the reason I don't talk about it a lot for the people that follow me the most is I don't like talking about shit I don't know, right? And so, it's funny, I talk really, I peacock, right? I roll when I'm talking about what I know and I'm real passive, I know a lot about crypto, I spend a lot of time looking at it, not enough to put myself out there because I feel like I'd really want to like be right. Here's the thing with blockchain. Blockchain, if you play the chess moves all the way out, is the decentralization of our entire society. Like if you really play it out, it seems like you're, right, you're, you've been into it for a little while? Bro, this is heady shit. This isn't Bitcoin. This isn't like, ha, ha, ha. This is, America's not gonna let it happen. Like, because it undermines America itself. Like, there's a re, like, China is a funny country. I think we have America propaganda. If you look at China, the mix between dictatorship, communism, and capitalism, China as a country is run much more like the way we run our businesses. It's a little capitalism, it's a little bit, uh, right? So, China making it illegal is the preview, not an anomaly. We as Americans are like, oh, fucking China, right? Communism, right? China is advanced. So here's how I think about it. Look, the amount of money being made on ICOs right now, fast, quick bucks, is no different than Bebo selling for $850 million to AOL. There's some people gonna make some real money in this period. I love it. I think it's batshit interesting about you and I me buying your home and transacting the lease on the blockchain, right? Fuck the bank, fuck everybody, like great. I'm a big buyer in my altruistic nature as a human. If you think America is gonna let it happen at the level of that extreme, it has no vested interest. No government has vested interest in this collapsing them, but if you play it out outside of military, this is what holds it all together, currency. It's big, man. It's real big. Uh, It's really hard for me to really play out everything other than the following. It is so disruptive that it's very difficult for me to see the governments of our society going down without a fight. There's a window for it for sure. Yeah, I mean the window's already, we're living the window. Do you know, you've seen the famous story of the guy who bought a pizza with like 10,000 bitcoins? 
bought a pizza for like $50 million. Like we're living in it, we're in it right now. There's a lot of people making a lot of money. These ICOs, there's so many rackets being run right now. And so they'll have their window, um, but it's fascinating technology, right? It's like the most disruptive thing that's since the internet that I can even wrap my head around. Super gnarly shit. Thanks. You got it. Hi. Hi Gary, as an entrepreneur looking back, what's something you wish you would have done more of in your 20s? Bought more Google ads. So like the biggest thesis of me right now for the people that follow me the most is I day trade attention, right? What I think I'm better at, you know, to the point of me putting out more content consistently than anybody, it's because I believe that social networks have a disproportionate amount of attention and people don't realize it. I just don't understand how people don't realize it. Like it's what we spend all our time on. Like not 14 year olds, 30 year olds and 40 year olds and 50 year olds and 60 year olds. Like there's, the, the social media celebrities, whether in business or kids, are way more famous than the actual celebrities. It's not even close. I think people are now saying, wait a minute, these people are kind of famous too. No, 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 no. There's no mainstream celebrity as famous as any of the top 100 social celebrities, including Kardashians who are as much social as they are mainstream and whatever, right? So I built my dad's liquor store on the back of email and Google AdWords but I didn't spend enough on Google AdWords. When I talk about my dad's business growing from four to 60 million, every time I hear it in an intro, in an interview, I say it should have been four to 250. It could have been much bigger if I was smart enough to, you know, I'm not a poker player, but what I had at the time by owning all the wine terms on Google for five and 10 cents a click before anybody knew what it was, was I had the best hand and I wasn't going all in. And that's why I'm so passionate for all of you to get more serious about social. Right now Facebook ads is that moment. And Instagram influencers is that moment. And I would say everybody in here is underspending their mental time and their money on Facebook and Instagram, much to the demise of their upside. You can still win. Direct mail still works. Radio still works. Google still works. Things still work, just not as good. I love when people are like, Gary, great, great, but I'm fucking, I went from zero to four million this year in my business. I'm like, what's wrong with nine, asshole? (laughs) So this is about upside. So really, to be honest with you, that, you know, like, because most things I don't look back, I I think looking back is insane. I think you should learn. But I don't, I'm not good at even remembering what the fuck happened last year, let alone in my 20s, because it doesn't matter. Other than the learnings that I feel in my body that help me navigate. So I don't like to dwell or things of that nature, but to answer it so it brings back, you know, the reason I answered that was so that I can go on my rant for you on Facebook and Instagram right now because I want you guys to be compelled to get way more serious. You know how many people here, which, Amber? Yes. Amber? Mm-hmm. Amber, do you know how many people in here have run a little bit of Facebook ads with one creative variable and it didn't work and they deemed Facebook as not working? Maybe not this room, but most of the people I know. This room too. So I'm interested in putting pressure on that conversation because you will benefit because it's underpriced attention. How much you will pay to target people within a five mile radius of your shop or people that are interested in your product is underpriced. I just don't know what else to say. If it costs you $3 to get in front of them, it should be 11. And you're paying 11 somewhere else and it's worth two. That's all. Now. The tough part is you have to make a picture or video that makes them do something. Google was so great for everybody because it was intent-based marketing. I am looking for a karate studio. 
I am looking for red wine. Where can I buy bananas? That was easy. You just put it in front of them. The creative part didn't matter. It was all blue letters. That's why everybody liked it so much. We're back to more like TV and print. It's harder. Thank you. You're welcome. Who's got the green thing? Awesome, a man. What's up? My name's Bryce. Bryce. You kind of touched on this a little bit already, but what do you believe holds people back from just taking action? Other people's opinions. And how do you overcome that? By telling your mom to go fuck themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Bryce, I'm so hot on this, man. I am so sad that the, the reason you get a reaction like that is a mix between, it's funny to use the word mom and fuck in the same sentence, right? But, but it's way more true. If you listen to the tone of the laugh scenario and saw what I just saw, the truth in what I just said is so powerful. I am so sorry. For, I am driven by gratitude. You wanna know, when everybody, I just, how many of you saw me on the hot ones, the hot wing kind of thing, some of you saw this? So that was a huge, that's a huge audience and a lot of people who didn't know me. And every time I do Joe Rogan or Hot Wins or a TV show where, I, where a lot of people don't know who I am, I know I'm in for it because 20% of the crowd's gonna hate me, right? But what's fun about YouTube shows is the comments are there. So I spent four hours the other day in there engaging with the people that said I was terrible. But a lot of people spoke well, one word, and they used two different words. Just in the comments, one word. I would say 50 people wrote in one word on that episode, cocaine. <laughs> and about another 100 wrote Adderall. And I replied to every one of them, all of them, especially as somebody whose mom brainwashed them to never even try smoking a cigarette, right? I replied, gratitude. I have so much energy because I'm grateful. Not only am I grateful for the talent I was naturally given, the ridiculous parents I was given, and the incredible advantage of being an immigrant, I'm grateful that my parents were so awesome. They never made me feel inferior, right? And so many of you, whether through a sibling or a parent, had a miserable, sad, negative parent who tried to impose their negativity on you. And misery loves company. And its greatest execution is parents on kids. It's something we never talk about. It's not talked about enough. And so, if my legacy, when I die, when I take my last breath, if you asked me what I really think I'm gonna think, I think I'm gonna think that I was the human being that came along and brought the most awareness to this conversation. It is my absolute passion. Because I've seen what my grandma did to my dad, and I know what my mom did to me. And it's a big fucking difference, bro. It's called happiness. So. Why do I think a lot of you don't do shit? Because you, ju- you value other people's opinions of you. Why do I think you have that? Because you weren't given self-esteem as a kid and you were gone the other way. And if there's anything, one of the biggest reasons I act like a big shot is because I want kids to become fans of me so that I can then become the shield for them to have confidence to do good things, not bad things. Because if I'm cool, then they're not talking about Ferraris and fucking gold watches, they're talking about hard work, humility, empathy, and kindness. So I'm in the best, Bryce, in the best part of my career because 
Snapchat and Instagram and YouTube have allowed me to get way down the funnel. I'm getting to 15 year old dudes and 15 year old dudes can go either way real quick. And the fact that I'm gonna get them all to come to me to become better men, that's fucking legacy, bro. So through a long-winded eight years, I finally figured out it's that, man. You guys worry about what other people think. I brought up the celebrity thing with Instagram, right? You just care what other people think, and I don't. I care what people think when they know who I am. But there's people in here who've literally not done something because they don't like when somebody leaves an anonymous comment on a picture that says they are ugly or suck. And the thought of that breaks my heart. I get pumped when people say I suck. I've only, if you follow me carefully, only in the last three months because I just want to help, I'll tell you why I'm doing it, only in the last three months have I even really gotten a little more detailed about Wine Library and the fact that I own nothing of it and I built that business for my dad. Mainly it's because other kids who are looking up to me have other friends that tell them, you can't look up to that guy, his dad gave him a liquor store, he sucks. So I wanted to kill that excuse because I don't want these kids to go down the shit path. Got it? Like, people think I got something handed? I had it the reverse. I gave up the first 13 years of my life to build my dad's business for him and left with nothing. Because I wanted to pay him and my mom back. You know? So, that's where I'm at. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> How are hey, you? Well. Good, bro. So um, thank you for coming out today. It really means a lot to a lot of people, more than just me. And uh, he was talking about leadership with his team. Now you are traveling, going out, doing all these things, so you probably don't spend hours Correct. with your team That's right. running your company. That's right. How do you make them feel Listening. like they're there? Listening. I follow every one of my employees on social. So I, I see a lot of what is going on in their lives. The reason I overspend on a huge HR team is they're gathering info. And through FaceTime and texting and emojis and emails, I can get a lot done. And through osmosis. Let me tell you how life actually works. When you're nice to Karen and you did something right, Karen tells Susan in the girl's bathroom the truth. Susan then thinks you're a good person. Guys, reputation matters. I'm like, what do you think is going on in life? When you consistently do the right thing, bro, you get the halo effect, you don't need to see everybody. Brand. So many people in the transactional business. What's my customer acquisition cost? What was my conversion? What's my lifetime value? Cool. If you want to build something, it works. It just doesn't work as big as what I'm up to. Brand. So I scale by scaling the unscalable, which is I don't judge myself and I do the best I can. I get to as many people as possible. I consistently do the right thing by the judge and the jury of the Lord looking down on it. And I let the osmosis and the backroom chatter scale it. And then when I don't like it and I don't think it's working, I force them to come and see me one by one for 15 minutes two times a year. There it is. You know what I mean? Like, like it worked for me. You have to remember, how many people here are parents that have children that are over the age of 10, whether they're 10 or 40? Great. We parented our, you know, I'm at eight and five, but the way my life kind of played out, my little brother's 11 years younger, I had businesses at 22. I think I was really built to be a dad long before I was a dad. 
You don't parent your child at three the same way you parent them at 11, the way you parent them at 18, the way you parent them at 30. It worked for me and now I'm changing it. You have to work for them. And so you have to keep a pulse on. So I, all, the, all the above. You know, maybe in the next two years it'll be 15 minutes and maybe I'll do so much damage, aka good, that maybe I can go back to three years of osmosis. I don't judge, I just audit and day trade the moment. You know, what got us all into this room today has nothing to do with what's gonna get us to the next level. And way too many people hold on to what got them here. Because they've got one move, you know? And I think if you've got, you know, back to fighting and box, I'm a big boxing fan, like, if you've got one punch, you can do some damage for a long time, I got it, right? But once there's enough film on you, you'll be exposed. So I'm trying to keep mixing it up, man, right? Perfect. Look over here. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yes, that's right. I'm actually, this is the first, actually, this is the first day I'm wearing them. I don't know if you guys know this, I have a sneaker coming out. I, I figured if athletes and rappers can do it, why can't entrepreneurs? So this is it, this is the first day I'm wearing them. This comes out uh, November 14th, I'm pretty pumped. You know what I love doing? I love doing things that are, are a no-lose situation. So if this works, like works, well then I was the first entrepreneur with a signature sneaker and it's really cool in my byline, right? And if it doesn't, my buddies get to make fun of me for the next 30 years and say, remember when you thought you were so fucking cool you could have a sneaker, you fucking asshole? No-lose situation. My man, oh, who's got the, uh, we, is, are we doing that next? Yes, go ahead. Hey Gary, my name is Robert. Robert. Uh, I've been following you for quite a while. Thanks, um, brother. So we've uh, we've started a uh, web show on Facebook, kind of following uh, you know what you've been doing, and Ed pushed me to do it last year. And we Good for you. We've been. Have you made it a watch show yet? Facebook Watch, this new TV thing they're doing. No, I've not. Okay, so you've been putting it on your fan page like I was yeah. doing. Go Google Facebook Watch, read an hour's worth of, co- by the way, this is what pisses me off. Please don't ask me like how to do something tactical. I love when people are like, you know, my comments like, Gary V, like okay, enough with the fucking crush it and rah-rah. Give me some tactical shit, right? Like you suck, give me tactical shit. I'm like, you're a fucking asshole. Tactical shit should be done on Google and YouTube. Either you can read or you can watch, depending on how you learn. There's nothing you need from a human. It's all on the fucking internet for free. Right? Like this, like, like everyone's like, give me something tactical. I'm like, oh, you mean like when I put out content about Snapchat for six months and then all these assholes watch it all and package it up into a $397 how to win on Snapchat ebook? That makes you feel better, Rick? You fucking idiot. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Anyway, Google that. Facebook watch, learn everything about it. They're trying to push their original shows. How many people here have hit the video tab at the bottom of their Facebook and now watched the show on there? So they've picked shows, like they pay for it, but then anybody can make a show. Here's why you always wanna do what a new platform launches as a new product. When Instagram launches stories or stickers or Facebook Watch or Twitter does something, be smart. When platforms have a new feature, they vig it. So right now if you have a show on Facebook Watch, that you started, they're putting it into more people's streams because they want to get Facebook Watch to work. So you're riding the wave of Facebook and getting the benefit of people who don't know who you are. Got it? Keep going. 
right, so my question is, is we've kind of neglected Instagram. Um, That's a mistake. Not something I know a ton about. Okay. I have a couple girls in the school that have been handling that. Basically for <laughs> Sounds us. about right. No, listen, everybody does. My niece is, I get it, go ahead. So, I mean, we really want to hyper-focus this year on Instagram. Good. We've just not done it. Good. Great place to start would be where? So a couple things. First and foremost, for all of you, the whole girls or nieces or nephews or Rick, the 13-year-old, like outsourcing to youth in social media is insane. Let me explain why. Outsourcing to youth that knows what they're doing for business is smart. Just the notion that somebody's 18 and they get it is insane. You're running a business, not trying to hook up Friday night. So, like, great, they can slide into the DM, but can they drive your business, right? So, first and foremost, it is no longer an excuse to not know about Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. Like, if you, how many people here own their business? Raise your hands. You need to know what this stuff is. Are you telling me in 2018 that you don't have 40 hours this year to allocate into reading or listening or watching how to become a practitioner in social media? This is the lifeline of your business right now. Whether you understand it now or you'll understand it later. Everybody wants to be a headline reader or outsource because they have more important shit to do. The most important thing for everybody in this room is to understand how to communicate with customers. And that's on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn and on and on so I implore you, number one, for you to get educated because you have no idea if those two girls are hosing you or not. Right, and then the other thing is business people need to get smart. So many people care about how many followers and likes they have. You're not paying your mortgage with how many likes you get on Instagram. But it's back to jab, 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 right hook. It's also not, nobody's following you on Instagram if every fucking post is like, buy my plan, sign up for my course, come to my studio, give me your money, give me your money. So the place to start is mental. The place to start is using this moment that we have together and saying, fuck it, I need to get smart. Because this is like balancing my checkbook. This is like paying my taxes. It's just real. Way more real than people think. And let me tell you why. Forget about all these social networks. The next thing, voice, AR, VR, or something I don't know yet, it's gonna be the same principle as this. The reason I'm so good at social is because I cut my teeth on Google and email and then didn't hold romantic to it and became even better at the next thing, got it? So you guys are running a marathon in life. And so I wanna get you on the treadmill on social now because it's gonna be a proxy to the next thing you have to do. How many people here are retiring in the next 10 years? And I don't mean that you're gonna crush it, sell your business and buy an island. I mean you're old and you're fucking finished. (laughs) Two, respect. For the rest of you, for the rest of you, What do you think has happened in the last 10 years? Let me remind you, basically everything that we live on now. Smartphones, social networks, everything. What the hell do you think is coming in the next 10 years? And if you're outsourcing social now, you have no prayer in understanding crypto or AR or VR or everything that's coming next. You need to get on it now. Don't you love, you know, back to training. I love the fighting analogy stuff. I'm just such a big fan of it because it has such proxies. I love when my friend, or it's like doing business in China or Russia. The naivete of an American going doing business in China is so funny to me. They think it's the same rules, right? Or when you get a tough guy into mixed martial arts because they were good at boxing. They're like, it's a different sport, man. Like, so we know it in our things, but then in business we do the same shit.
We make fun of people who don't work out consistently and think like a pill or a drug is gonna do, you gotta do the right things, you gotta eat right, you gotta work. But then in business, those same, like all the muscle heads on Instagram that DM me make me laugh so much. They stay disciplined in the gym and the way they eat, but in business they're looking for the shortcut which is the exact thing they make fun of in fitness. Right? Like, like all my all my fucking buffed out buddies are like, no, no, but Gary, what's the fucking? I'm like, dude, there is no steroids in fucking business. <laughs> you know, like, it is what it is, my man. Hey, Gary, I'm out of the Thank you, brother. I could tell. Thank you for the love. My wife back on her birthday. That's awesome. Um, so I, I hear you talk a lot about B to C stuff. Yes. And, um, I'm I'm B to B. So. What, what do you think is the best way to gain attention B2B? Would you still say it's... Media company. Yes, yes, but... Dude, you have it better. So I've done much better with my B2B investments than my B2C investments in helping them on social media. You literally know the names of the people you're trying to reach. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. You know how awesome that is? Vayner's been a gift compared to Wine Library. Anybody potentially could have been interested in buying wine, beer, and liquor media is super simple. I'm like, oh, I need the CMO of Kraft and Procter and you know, Toyota and Pepsi. So I would make content on Instagram, excuse me, on LinkedIn and Facebook with ad dollars targeting employees of the organizations that you're trying to get to. Guys, how many people B2B in here? So just for a couple of you, great. Higher hands, I just want to get a sense. Don't, don't be scared. Okay, so to me, there's a, if, back to the last question, right? Being a practitioner, when you run a Facebook ad, you can run against anything. It, how many people here have spent $100,000 on Facebook and they were the people that clicked the buttons and made the creative? Raise your hand. Right, two. This is huge, this is huge. This is a huge opportunity. When you become a practitioner of Facebook ads, you'll shit your pants of how good it is. It's incredible. You can run ads against employees of Give me a company that you'd love to use your, your B2B product. Give me one. Um, What's that? <laughs> Yours? <laughs> Good. You can literally make a video that targets their employees on Facebook and literally the creative, the writing or the video says, does your CEO know? And then you could literally forward it to them. Like you could literally target him on LinkedIn. It's incredible. You know the names. So, but you have to make the creative smart. So a lot of people need to be the CIO or CTO or CFO is the person making the decision. And people say to me, they're not on Facebook. I'm like, I get it. So run ads against employees of the company and the title of the video is, does your CFO know? Then the CFO gets 13 emails and she's like, what the hell is this? She watches it and then she contacts you. It happens every day. B2B is incredible in social. Now in the martial arts world, a lot of the Great, go to Instagram and Twitter where they're half-assing it and DM them since they never get any DMs. They'll be like, cool, I got a DM. And instead of saying buy my shit, bring them some value. Learn, listen, always listen. Figure out what they're struggling with and give them a, make an ebook or a, or a PowerPoint or a video for free that takes you some time and money and then DM them and say, hey, number one thing I've noticed in the, in the mixed martial arts world is that studios aren't doing the following. And it's titled 11 things you should be doing. It'll be three minutes and 19 seconds. You'll give them value. And one in every three of them will look deeper into you and give you business. That's 
We have to start with value. You know, it's funny, women entrepreneurs are always more intuitive to my style of marketing because they've been the ones hit on and you know, like sold to, right? So they intuitively understand they respond more when there's value brought up front. You know, and so there's a very small and smart cadence of hunting and farming, bringing value. We need to romance our customers a little bit more. Value, it always wins. We're sold to all the time, right? We're pounded. Like, do you know what everybody's LinkedIn strategy is? Bulk spam email. <laughs> just gonna email everybody and tell, like, I know that some of it works. It just, it works a hell of a lot better if you bring some value. <laughs> Next. Hi Gary, big fan. Thank you. So, I had my, uh, my martial arts students, I posted a thing on the Facebook page, what did you ask Gary Vee? One question and the most response that I got, and maybe you already covered it, it's okay. I don't know, but um, as an immigrant, yes. came to the United States, yes. the value of the American flag, yes. the public, how do you feel about the stance on kneeling in the NFL? Yep. And if you were an owner of the New York Jets, yes. how would you handle that with yep. the players? So, a couple things. First and foremost, when you're an owner of the NFL, you have to worry about the other 31 owners. So the way I would handle it is first get a pulse of what my other 31 business partners thought. As far as kneeling, as somebody, you know, this is where Americans are oftentimes confused from a kid that was born in the Soviet Union. The thought of not allowing people to uh, express themselves in any shape or form, including if it really hurt your feelings, is something that I'm just not willing to go down that path. So if we're gonna respect our amendments, if we're gonna respect number two with the right to bear arms, we're gonna respect number one with freedom of speech, and so it would not bother me if a player kneeled during the national anthem. I'm awfully aware that that breaks people's hearts. It makes them mad at me for that stance. I just, I, it's just how I feel about it. Because I think most of the people making comments about it have never lived in a communist country and know what it tastes like to not have the option. They're not overpaid athletes. They're not overpaid athletes. No, no. I, listen, I understand the stance. And by the way, the great thing about our country is I'm deeply empathetic and respect the living shit out of somebody's opinion the other way. I would just remind people they're definitely not overpaid because they're paid based on the reality of what the market conditions created. We allowed them to be paid this way because we drive the revenue. If everybody wants to stop watching football and drive that down, they're more than welcome to. I just, you know, I've had a lot of fun with a lot of my friends who take the other stance. They don't like pro football. But when their homies at Alabama and LSU and Texas start kneeling, they like their Longhorns. They care about their Bama boys. So it's been really interesting to watch. I have a lot of empathy. I'm, and I'm super in tune with it because of the communist, you know, you know, freedom of speech kind of thing. It's so deep in my, you know, both my grandfathers spent 10 years in jail in Russia because they were Jewish. So, you know, I also really, you know, I also have the benefit of having six of my eight core friends in college be African Americans, which led to me going to the mall, you know, the first four times in college and getting pulled over three times. Like, the big thing that we're missing in our country right now is empathy. We're not putting ourselves in other people's shoes and we're letting everything get politicized. Like, are we gonna make everything a political issue? Because basically we're in a emotional civil war right now which is cool, I'm fine with it, every empire should fall. 
You're welcome. Hey, brother. Aaron Phillips. Um, you use a lot of fight analogies, and we're in a room with tons of martial artists, mixed martial artists. Um, yep. And you know, I know fan uh, sports. I haven't seen him sign any mixed martial artists. No. Nope. I don't know if you guys with the UFC yep. doing four billion dollar deal. Yep. Uh, what What do you think is the future of mixed martial arts, uh, or the industry, or opportunistically, um, what you see coming yeah. towards? Yeah. Listen, fighting is as old as ever. You know, like it is core. I mean, it might have been. It probably was the first sport. Right? If you really, if I had a bet on it, it was the first sport. Maybe, maybe racing. You know, I'm trying to think about like how it went down. But nonetheless, uh, Vayner Sports is only football right now. Uh, the next two sports that we'll expand into, based on mine and AJ's interest, are most likely esports and the NBA. We haven't really thought about going into repping talent in the UFC and mixed martial arts. I'm extremely bullish on it. I think it's an extremely lucrative category and territory, um, and so we haven't thought about expanding it there next because we've got a little bit of a roadmap, um, but it's something that if that, if you know, AJ's really running Vayner Sports, and I'm like creating the halo effect, and so I'll have to react to like where he sees some of the opportunities as well. Um, so that's kind of where we're at, but like A, yeah please. The athletes make a fraction in, in MMA of what, so as far as repping them, there's not as much money to be made with an MMA athlete compared to you know any NBA or, or NFL or anything else. Yeah, I mean, I think that can change, right? Like, to me, I, by little ways, yeah, I never make decisions based on like what it is now. It's more about my anticipation, to your point. It'll be interesting to see how it evolves. I mean, it's a super, look, I think fighting, you know, in whatever form is always quite lucrative because it's so primal to us. The thought of like the big event where two people you know, like fight is so 100% always gonna be there. Um, for us, we just have a lot of interest in the NBA and the esports thing is super interesting to me. Like to me, if, if VaynerSports was here 12 years ago, I would have done UFC. To me, I wanna catch something like in a different part of the, you know, NBA and NFL's interest graph, esports over UFC on the base of the maturity of the market, the less mature something is, the more opportunity there is. And so for me, I want to be looking at that. Thank you. You're welcome. Sure. Okay, one last question in the uh, pictures. Yeah, that's good. Hi. So, hi, Louisa. So my question is actually about and I know your button was triggered by what you said about being from being an immigrant. Yes. Since I'm one of them. Yes, I can tell. From Poland. Yes. <laughs> so what would you advise to the person who came from the communist country? who came with the mindset of working super hard, and is, I know you're laughing already because I spoke to you about it, so working super hard and you finally end up being just trapped that even when you succeed and, you know, like thanks to the Timberella, my school grew by 400% over two years, so that's quite a big difference. Yes. So now when everything goes so much better, I end up not being able to stop myself from working. Do you want to? the fear of just, down sure. because what if I lose everything what I had? Yep. I also feel like I'm in the conflict of the whole family and mindset of my own family because now I think different and I know I can be happy. I know I need to be grateful and I know I can succeed, but Polish people don't think this way because we're used to just being a communist country and always not having it. I'm aware. So. so, I mean, look, there's a lot there. You, and stay here so we can go back and forth. Stay at the mic. So I think, look, first of all, 
the back half of your question was the whole point that I made earlier, which is if, if you could go inside my brain and my feelings and my DNA right now, it would either scare you or confuse you how much I do not allow my wife, children, or parents to factor into the way I think about things. At the same token, their opinions of me are my life. You have to find the calibration of respecting people's opinions but not allowing them to dictate your actions because you're gonna go down the path of becoming bitter with them at the end. Too many of us protect our family and pander to them because we want it to be good without realizing how it plays out at the end, which is in our older years, we have a lot of resentment towards them because we think we allow them to dictate our behavior, but that's not true. So, you know, listen, we share a lot of common themes. I understand. First of all, on the working part, first you have to ask yourself if you, do you want to work less? I'm asking. Yes. Well then work less. You know what I mean? Like, the way you gotta think about it is whatever management you put in or whatever happens, first you have to immediately think it's gonna do less. Second, you can't hold your managers accountable. One thing I know about Eastern European uh, employers is when they do moves like that, they expect those people to work like a horse the way they did. It's not their business. Unless you're willing to give your manager the same amount of money and a piece of the business, why should he or she work as hard as you? So first you have to deploy practicality, reality, and everything, my friends, has a price. Everything. So if you wanna work less and take a spa treatment and go fishing and pick up basketball or learn how to sing or whatever the fuck you want, well know that it comes at the expense of your business growing. And that's okay. You know, and once you learn how to stop thinking about the judgment of others on your behavior, everything opens up. Easy to say, but it takes a lot of practice. And it starts with, the reason I always say fuck you mom, fuck you dad, it starts with practice. If you sit down your family and be like, I'm doing this, I know exactly what you're thinking, it's my life, I'm sorry if it hurts your feelings, this is what I'm doing, because I don't want to resent, the way I do it is tell the truth. I don't want to resent you later. And I'm gonna bring, I always tell people, whenever I had that talk with my dad or mom or brother, I always tell people, I'm gonna break. And if I break, then it's all broken. And I promise you, when you put them into a corner instead of them putting you into a corner, it gets real funny. I'm fascinated by bullying in general and families bully the money maker in their family. And a funny thing happens when you go and treat them like a bully. They fold like a cheap chair because they have no fucking leverage. (laughs) You like that, right? Hits home, right? When you're the money maker, everybody gets real used to you. When you flip it on them, they've got no move. Let them go make money. You're welcome. That's good. Interesting, right? It's a, re- it's a real thing. Like it's hard for a lot of us. If we're the driver, people get into a cadence and we as somebody, like, when you know how to make money, you start taking on almost this responsibility, you start helping, you love your family, I love everybody. I fucking love you guys, I don't even fucking know you. You know, like, like you start getting into that place and then everybody gets into their position. I'm okay with it, you're okay with it, we'll get to you in a second. Like people are, you could be okay with it, 
You can be okay with eating shit your whole life. I've gone, I've eaten more shit than anybody I've ever seen. I the problem is, <laughs> no, no problem. The problem is, once you're at a place where you don't want to do it anymore, you act. See what their move is to that. It's just practice, one time. Let it come, not when you're drunk, not when it's so crazy that you can't deal with it anymore. A month, a year before you break and go crazy and yell at them at the top of your lungs. Calm, nice dinner and be like, here's the score. It's incredible, I've given this advice a lot. It's been game changing for people's lives. When they've acted on it, most don't act on it because it's hard. I'm not, I don't think what I just said is easy. It's super hard. And the longer it's been real, the harder it is, right? Hi there, I'm Kelly. Hey Kelly. I work for Michael. Very nice. Um, Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So as you mentioned before, this isn't a media business first. And obviously I love kickboxing. We have over 250 locations open, another 800 to open soon. Incredible. Um, it, It does become difficult when you have lots of different levels of competency when it comes to our franchisees, some of them don't even have a Facebook. Yes. So as we grow and as we expand, is it more important for us to control the content of our brand? Because it does take away the intimacy, the personal touch for each market, but also yeah. we never know who's representing our brand. So we've, we, you know, VaynerMedia works with and you know, a, a real estate group that we're about to announce, we just wanted, we'll announce in 30 days. This is a super tough question. My answer is that you do both. And let me explain what I mean by that. I think that you guys should be overly aggressive on a national scale in your areas as an an advertiser. And whether it's co-op dollars or you do it, you guys decide. And I think you spend a lot of time on teaching and giving best practices to your franchisees, creating ways to communicate them. One of the, I have a really good idea. I think you guys should start an internal B2B podcast. An internal B2B podcast for your franchisees around best practices. Through just social media. Correct. Or whatever you deem is most important. Management style, how to treat employees, whatever your religious pillars are. Because, one more time, how many people listen to my audio? The reason there's so many more hands by average is because you guys are busy. And audio is a good thing. A lot of these franchisees are busy. So let them listen, even if they live six minutes from their location, let them hear you for 12 hours a day. Yeah. 12 minutes, excuse me, a day, right? It's, I would advertise on top of them, and then I would spend a lot of time, I, I think of it as high-low. I think most people are in the middle, they're kind of doing it as a corporation, they're kind of servicing their people, they give them a toolkit or something that they never open. They do a one-time-a-year event and bring up the person that does social media the best and give them a trophy and think it's gonna inspire, no. Internal podcast, really educate, really get them there, and also advertise so that you can point to it and say, look how good this piece of content did, email them all. Well, we actually advertise, we do about a, a million a quarter. We advertise on their behalf exclusively. Yeah, so to me it's synthesizing what's working and send out, you know, again, I don't think they read email, I don't think they like, but listening, and so maybe like, maybe in your 30 minute, 15 minute, you know, again, interview people, you have, you have a lot of relationships, like you could really crush that, you got really fancy people on your podcast, like you have advantage with him and his relationships. I think I'm very, very big on audio, very big, it's big. Like if I was creating VaynerMedia today, it would be called Vayner Voice. 
If I started today, I would call it Vayner Voice. I would deeply position myself in Alexa, Google, and you know all that, building apps for that world, just like iPhone apps in 2007, and I would be very big on being the infrastructure for companies around their internal podcasts. We just built, I, I mean, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I just renovated for $2 million a 40,000 square foot, uh, 50,000 square foot studio in Long Island City to do video and audio production. So I believe in it tremendously. Thank you. You're welcome. Is this one more? Okay, this is the last one and then we'll do picks. Okay. Uh, my name is Vlad. My question to you is uh, when you go on to branding. Yes. Um, like you're the media company, like you were saying. Yes. Do you brand yourself or do you brand the corporation you represent? That's a great question. I think both can work, Vlad. Uh, you know, I think, first of all, if you're an introvert and you want your privacy and you don't like it, you should never force yourself. There's plenty of humongous companies where you don't know the founder. I always get worried that people, like I like it. I like the admiration, I like the interaction, I like all of it. So to me the first and foremost is you realize either way can work. I will say if you like it and you're a good person and you don't take down the company with your off the field activities, it's, it's a great way to go. And that's why I'm very comfortable with it. So you would go, let's say you have a Facebook business page. Yes. Right? And you have multiple locations and then you have your own profile. You mean like Facebook slash Wine Library and Facebook slash Gary V? Yes, and then, yeah. So, you would make multiple videos or you would like take two tablets and run live? Content for the context. Once in a while if something was super important I'd post on both, but a business talking and a human talking should be putting out different stuff. People use social media as distribution, not as a place to narrow, make native content. They think of social as email. I'll take something and I'll post it on all my accounts. They don't take into effect the psychology. Do you know the difference between a 40-year-old woman with two kids when she's on Pinterest and on Facebook? Totally different. Her psychology, her psychology when she's on Facebook is to keep up with her friends and news. On Pinterest, it's aspiration to shop or escapism. You have to give her content that fits her psycho state, not just her demographic state. Got it? Think about how you guys use Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, even right now, and I can see some of you like picking up on this. You're even thinking different. Like you're, you're in a different, one place is entertainment, one place is information. LinkedIn, you're a different person than you are on Facebook. Like your head's in a different place. I've gotta feed you content. The subtle things that I do that people aren't picking up on has a lot more to do with that. Why do I make meme videos on Instagram? Why did that same video look different on Facebook? Why do I chop up what I chop? Why is the copy different on the Facebook post than the Twitter post? Why did I use hashtags on Instagram but not on Facebook? The subtleties of the craft. I have a knack of making things look easy but this shit is real. Thank you. You're welcome, Vlad. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Hey guys, it's Gary Vee. Uh, I wanna just let you all of you know who follow me on Instagram uh, that the 60 Second Club is back. I'm fired up about it. Uh, if, you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, a couple posts ago, go to my Instagram, you'll see me pointing to the triple dots in the top right corner. Uh, the 60 Second Club where you post a comment within the first minute of me posting and we select winners. We are giving out ridiculousness, uh, uh, new sneakers, uh, time with me, FaceTimes, uh, free shit, 
all of it. If you were not part of the 60 Second Club, aka turn on your notifications on Instagram, you are missing out. Go check it out. Have the best summer of your fucking life.